Good morning, and welcome to New York Sports and Beyond on 9870 ESPN, where our goal every week is to entertain, enlighten, and expose you to information that can lead to positive change in your life. I'm Larry Hardesty. Well, as the new year approaches, we reflect on changes we would like to make in our personal and professional lives. Unfortunately, in many cases, those changes are derailed before the new year is even three months old. Goals and resolutions are the topic this morning as we discuss the keys to success in several areas with two guests. First, licensed health and fitness coach Lizette Simmons will provide education and information on ways to begin and sustain a healthy lifestyle. Let's welcome in and say good morning to health and fitness coach Lizette Simmons. Hey, Lizette, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for a couple of minutes. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me. So, Lizette, here's the first question I'm going to ask you is I want to find out what made you want to be a health and fitness coach. I mean, there's other things you could have done. Of course. Yeah, definitely. So let's take it back to late high school, about eight years or so for me. I started on my own fitness journey just in high school trying to navigate the way of the world. And I came across all these different workouts and fad diets only to become super overwhelmed with all the information, the contradicting information out there. And I found myself constantly starting over on Monday, right? We're also used to that. I'll start again on Monday. And it kind of led me to believe there's got to be something easier, right? There can't be these crash diets and this restriction and you have to do this, but not that. So eventually, thankfully, I found my own way. And that's kind of what led me to be like, all right, if I had this experience, I know so many other men and women out there are going through the same thing. So that is kind of what led me down the path of wanting to become a trainer and a coach. And that's what led me to becoming an online personal trainer. So what I want to do today is to guide my audience through, and I want my audience to listen carefully, to guide them through a healthy lifestyle. I'm not talking about diets. I'm not talking about weight loss, although that may be a part of what happens. It's about getting a healthy lifestyle. So, Lizette, what are some of the ways you can prepare yourself mentally to get that going? Yes, of course. So the number one main mindset switch that I tell people from the beginning is to think about your fitness and health journey as a way that your body operates, right? It's not just about, like you mentioned, trying to get an aesthetic or physical goal. Your human body operates the best when it's doing those quote-unquote healthy things anyway, right? So instead of just thinking about, let's go to the gym to lose weight, let's go to the gym to eat better and eat the things that I want, you have to think about switching to what is my future body? What is my future self going to feel, right? And the one thing that you need to remember is you will feel less pain. You will feel more energy. You will have less stress when you have this healthy lifestyle, right? So it's not about looking at somebody else and wishing you had their body. It's not about wishing, you know, you would look better in the mirror. It's about knowing that when you do those things for the rest of your life, your body will thank you. And then those physical things just come as a plus. So that main mindset switch is truly just thinking of your entire health, your longevity, right? Maybe, maybe that's you as a parent now and you want your kids to look up to you, right? You want your kids to be like, oh, hey, mom's just healthy. Dad's just healthy, right? They just look good. They feel good. And it's going to inspire other people, but more so just changing that mindset from an aesthetic goal to a longevity goal. And everybody wants more energy, 
everybody wants to feel less lethargic throughout the day. So it's about making that switch and telling yourself, look, I just want to be healthy and all the other things are a plus. Now, we always say before you start any exercise regimen or fitness or anything like that, please have a conversation with your personal physician because there may be some things that you can't do. There may be some issues you have with joint pain or things of that nature. So make sure that you have that really honest discussion with your physician. Although in my case, Lizette, that physician's had that conversation with me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Hopefully get ahead of it, right? You try to have that conversation before they have to come to you and have that conversation. (laughs) So how important is it to not just have a goal, but re- a realistic goal? Yes. So it is truly one of the most important things for you to do from the beginning, because you're going to save yourself a lot of stress and feeling like you are the problem. Because when you try and go the all or nothing route, you're setting yourself to burnout. So when you look at somebody else's structure and you try and copy it because they have the body or the lifestyle you want, you try it out. And in a couple of weeks, you hate it. You feel burnt out. You're wondering how they do it you're going to wish from the beginning you started a realistic routine for your specific lifestyle, right? So you have to be super aware of your lifestyle is different than everybody else's and vice versa. So the number one thing I always say is stop comparing your day one to somebody else's day 100. Because remember, they started at day one too, right? So switch from all or nothing to something is better than nothing. And then just a little tangible tip, just have a backup plan and routine when things don't go your way. You know, thing, you're going to have a routine that you're going to want to stick to. Maybe it's three days in the gym, right? What happens if you can't get there one of those days? Have a backup. Do a quick walk around the block, right? And just know that there are going to be days and times where you don't see progress, things don't go your way. But knowing that from the beginning is part of the journey. So being super realistic and trying not to reach for the stars right away is the most important thing you can do in the beginning. Licensed health and fitness coach Lizette Simmons is my guest. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. All right, Lizette, can we, let's, and I I hate this this instrument, so I'm just, it it bothers me so much. So that's why I have trouble getting it out. The scale. Okay, the scale. scale. All right, so, (laughs) so what's the best way to balance the role of the scale? Because, so often you go into the gyms in January, you can't get in. In February, they're half empty because people have lost to the scale. But we need the scale, on the other hand, to kind of register where we are and if we need to come back to you as a coach or other people in your industry to make adjustments to our workout program because it's something that we're not doing. So how do we balance the role of the scale? Got it. Yeah. So I always say there's a couple weeks to go about this, but The number one thing I say, and especially if you're trying to make this a lifestyle switch, a healthy lifestyle rather than an aesthetic or a physical goal, is to truly lose the scale if you can. And I'm only saying that because there are other ways to measure your progress, right? And these other ways are not going to be as detrimental as the number on the scale is. So just so we back up a little bit, the scale is going to fluctuate and everybody knows that, but not everybody knows the different reasons why. So for women, it could be that time of the month, hormones, not just women, but for all of us, stress, sleep, how many carbs you ate previously, how much water you drank, did you use the bathroom, did you lift weights, is it first thing in the morning? So all of those things have to be taken into consideration with the scale. Whereas if you use other tools, and what I recommend is to take progress photos. So before you start your journey, take pictures, and then every week thereafter, take progress photos and compare them. You can also do measurements. 
So get in a measuring tape right before you start. Take all of your body measurements weekly. Go ahead and update those. And then lastly, how do your clothes fit? So when you're starting this journey, we all have those pieces of clothing that don't necessarily fit like we want them to. They're a little bit more snug, right? So try them on. Make a note. Where do they fit tight? Where do you not like how they fit? And then weekly, try on those pieces of clothing and keep those notes coming. How are they fitting? After a few weeks or, you know, it's going to be different for everybody, things are going to fit a little bit different. And that is the best way to track your progress. And, of course, if you can't just let go of that scale, just remember what I said previously. All of those things come into consideration, that number on the scale. So just remember, you are not the scale. And try and use it sparingly, right? Don't go crazy and do it every single morning or a few times a day. And then when you do it, try and average that number out. So again, there's two ways to go about it. Either ditch it, use the other measurements, or just use it sparingly and be super conscious about the number and why it's fluctuating. Generally speaking, Lizette, men and women lose weight differently. Can you explain the differences? Yeah. So without getting too sciencey on you guys, keep in <laughs> mind that for most people, the more muscle you have, the easier it is to lose weight, right? So Naturally, men have more lean muscle tissue, which essentially actually burns more calories than body fat. And women are genetically designed to store more body fat for many different reasons, but childbearing just being, you know, one of the main examples. So not to mention in general, men are also larger and have more testosterone. So it just makes it that much easier for them to gain muscle. So that is the short non-sciencey answer. The more muscle you have, the easier it is to lose weight. And women are genetically designed to store a little bit more body fat, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah, it does. All right, so let's move into kind of a weight training segment here for, for a couple of seconds. What What's a good balance in your mindset? And once again, generally speaking, because it's going to differentiate with each individual person, but what's a good balance usually between cardio training and strength training? Or should they go together? Yes, so definitely, they should definitely go together. And of course, like you said, it's all going to be dependent upon each individual, so of course, speak with your physicians, but it's going to be dependent on two main things, your training goals and your health. So when it comes to your training goals, somebody who's trying to be a runner or training for a marathon, a 5K, et cetera, will be more focused on endurance training, so they'll be doing more cardio, and then somebody who's more focused on building more muscle or more strength or toning up is going to be focusing more heavily on resistance and weight training rather than cardio, right? And then bringing health into play, somebody who's more on the overweight side will usually start a little bit more with cardio than resistance training. And then somebody who's younger may, of course, may be working out more for aesthetics and getting into getting in shape, toning up, and starting out with more resistance. But nonetheless, I always recommend everybody have a balance of both in their routine. So if you're somebody who's just trying to start up a routine and get the most out of your health and just be super healthy, I just recommend three resistance training sessions a week and go for a 10 or 30 minute walk or cardio session of your choice daily or three to five times a week. So just having that good balance. And again, taking into consideration what works for your lifestyle. Now, when you say walk, are you talking brisk walk or leisurely walk or, you know, what kind of walk are you talking? Yeah. Leisurely walk. Definitely start up and everything within fitness is a progression too. So definitely start out leisurely. If you feel like it's not doing much, if you're not, getting worked enough, you could speed up the, you know, the pace or the intensity, whether you're going for a walk outside or in the gym. 
What are some of the pros and cons, Lizette, to lifting weights? I mean, if, if you're just starting and you say, well, you know, I kind of want to lift weights, but I'm not sure whether I can do that. Can I get, can I get my healthy lifestyle strictly on cardio, hitting the treadmill uh, or the bike? Right. So some pros to lifting weights is it generally always helps lifting in day-to-day movements. So all exercises within the gym, especially resistance training, weight training, mimics daily movements such as squatting down to pick something up, rotating, pulling a door, pushing a door, etc. So when you add resistance to that in the gym, it makes you more proficient in those everyday daily movements and less prone to injury. That's one. It increases your BMR. Number two, BMR is just a fancy way of saying that you burn calories all day long, even when at rest. So when you're sitting there, when you're sleeping, you're still burning calories. So when you start resistance training, you're actually increasing the amount of those BMR calories you burn on the daily, doing things like I said, like sitting and sleeping, which makes losing weight a little bit easier. It often, if you're doing it correctly, <laughs> it burns more calories than cardio. It's good for your joints, your bone health, um, helps you sleep better, mentally motivating. If you walk into that gym, you don't think you could pick up that 20 pound dumbbell. Two months in, you pick it up like it's nothing. You proved yourself wrong. And now that's going to go ahead and relay into other areas of your life when you think you can't do something, right? So there are so many pros. Those are just a few. Um, And it all, again, depends on getting in shape and depends on what you want to do. But it can't hurt unless, of course, you talk to your physician and there's specific reasons why they tell you not to weight train. But it's great for every level, weight training and cardio. And you got to listen to your body when you're weight training, right? If, if you feel a pull oh, yeah. or a pinch, you got to stop right away. You know, drop down the weight. We, we get it. You're feeling good now. You got that 50-pound dumbbell. You're rolling. But, you know, you feel that pain. You got to back it down a little bit. Yes, of course. Progress over perfection. If you try and be perfect and you try and, you know, show up everybody in the gym, you're going to get injured. And guess what? You're now five steps behind. So take it very slow and slowly, progressively overload which just means slowly increase your weight and your intensity but especially if you're beginning try and get somebody that knows what you're doing to help you out get some kind of accountability partner but always listen to your body like you said is there a formula right for lifting do you work on the same areas every day do you try to rest your body a certain body part of the day when you are let's say you're working out two three times a week yeah so if you're doing two or three times a week of course always make sure you have rest in between So everybody's schedule is going to look different. If you're doing three days a week, I recommend, of course, trying to have a break in between and say, for example, three full body sessions. If you're doing that, make sure you have one or two days of rest in between. If you have to go three consecutive days, say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then you're going to work out different body parts so that the worms that you worked previously can rest. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, for example, could be upper body. Monday, Tuesday could be lower body, Wednesday could be core and abs. And then, of course, make sure you're taking your rest in between. But never try your best never to work out the same muscles two days in a row. Give yourself 24 to 48 hours of recovery on a muscle before you train it again. Interesting. That's uh, licensed health and fitness coach Lizette Simmons. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 9870 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. So, Lizette, let's, let's pause on the exercising for a minute because I'm worn out. Let's let's talk about um, eating, and and I know you're not a nutritionist, but what are some general rules that you share with your clients about eating while you're getting your new healthy lifestyle to make sure that you're not 
uh, you know, breaking even, right? You're, you're eating as much as you're burning off, which is not good when you're trying to get your healthy lifestyle going. Right, right. So the number one thing that I always make sure people know is to eat when you're hungry and also eat before and after your training session. So your body needs fuel. You're just like a car. What happens when the gas is no longer there in the car? It doesn't go. Same thing happens with humans, right? If you're not fueling yourself before and after, you're not going to feel good enough for your sessions and then your sessions aren't going to be good. You're not going to see results and it's a whole cycle. So not everybody needs to eat before their session. Of course, that's going to be different to everybody and how you feel, but after is pretty important. So just a rule of thumb, try and eat. If you're going to be eating carbs, eat your carbs and protein surrounding your training sessions. So to get a little bit more specific, carbs before your training is great because it gives you energy. And then protein after is incredible as well because it helps your muscles to repair. Mix that with a little bit of carbs for recovery and you're good to go. But that's the general rule of thumb when it comes to nutrition and training, especially if you're starting out. Make sure you're feeling yourself surrounding your sessions and eat when you are hungry. And just make sure it's a little bit balanced. So what do we do when we're starving? You know how it is this first couple of days? You are starving. What, how do we get through that, especially at night? Right, right. Okay, so the simple answer, you want a simple answer for me? Yes. Eat. Uh -huh. Eat. Okay, no need to ever starve, okay? Some people on their journey, depending on how much they're eating, if they're tracking their food, if not, you might be a little hungry here and there, especially in the beginning, right? But the more you starve, the more you start to resent the process and you're restricting yourself and that's when you start to fall out, right? And then you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. So simple answer, eat. Um, more in-depth answer is to focus on volume foods. Volume foods basically just means that they are physically larger in size and typically lower in calories. So just some examples of volume foods, veggies, fruits, grains like oatmeal, lentils, peas, and of course, lean protein, egg whites, Greek yogurt, chicken breast, ground turkey, etc. Um, but volume foods, number one, eat number two, and especially if you're at night, um, make that last meal of yours, even if you have a snack after dinner, high in protein and healthy fats. Those are the two things that are going to help make you feel as full as you can. Liz, it's college football season. Uh, NFL playoffs are coming. Some maybe it's just movie night. What snacks can we use uh, while we're on a healthy uh, lifestyle plan here that w also won't hurt our progress? Yes, I like it. So, like I mentioned previously, high protein and healthy fats are going to be your go-to. Um, just some examples of snacks that I always reach for, um, jerky, so whether that's beef jerky, turkey jerky, whatever makes sense for you, and maybe some cheese, low-fat cheeses. You could do fruit and cheese, uh, multi-grain crackers and cheese and meat plates, you know, like the plates you go to for, you know, Super Bowls. You could do dips like hummus and veggies, mm. like a homemade ranch with veggies, homemade ranch with some Greek yogurt, and get the ranch seasoning. Uh, make your own chicken wings. Buy some boneless, skinless chicken breasts or some uh, chicken thighs. Lightly bread them if you need to. Stick them in the air fryer instead of deep frying them. If you don't have an air fryer, get on it. Um, and then just throw on your favorite low-calorie sauces. Um, then, of course, you've got popcorn, low-calorie popcorn, uh, light buttered. you got protein bars, protein smoothies, Greek yogurt and granola is great. There are a lot of different options, but keep in your brain high protein and healthy fats, and you should be good to go. 
Uh, we always hear about sodas, right? There's folks who want to drink sodas and have fruit juices. So here's the balance. We understand that that's you can drink on calories, like you can eat calories, right? <laughs> so you can right. get a, a 16 ounce <laughs> soda that's got 250 calories in it. But here's the concern: if you go with a diet soda that may have zero calories, does that the concern of the artificial sweeteners and things that may not be good for our healthy lifestyle? So what's the option aside from get away from the from the sodas and the juices? Right, right. So we all know, like you mentioned, sodas have a ton of sugars, but aside from that, you don't want to drink. You want to try to avoid drinking your calories because you want to eat as much as we can, right? So my philosophy when it comes to this is when you're eating less nutrient-dense drinks and foods, everything is okay to consume in moderation. But with that said, there are so many other options out there. Like you mentioned, those diet sodas, even beyond that, You've got these flavored sparkling waters, which don't sound incredible, but they are really not that bad, right? They mm. give that same um, carbonation feeling that you get when you have drinks with flavors. So those are good. Of course, you got those diet and zero cal options. They've got fruit infused water. You can even make those at home. They've got these zero calorie drinks, right? And, and then I know you mentioned within some of those things, you know, you got those artificial sweeteners. So my take on this is there is a ton of information about there specifically like recently on artificial sweeteners. Mm. So much research on is it bad? Is it okay? Should you consume it? Should you not? They're all so contradicting. My best advice, don't try and figure it all out. Don't go crazy reading all of these articles because when you do that, you're going to get stuck in this loop. You're going to fight yourself. You're going to feel restricted. Chances are you're going to try and avoid it no matter what. And then you're going to eventually fall into a super deep craving, right? So keep those flavored sparkling waters around, make your fruit infused waters, keep those options in your fridge and don't go nuts trying to figure all of the answers out that even some of the professionals don't necessarily have yet. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. All right, Lizette, let, we're, 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 let's move back to some exercise. I've got a couple more questions for you. And, and once again, thanks for stopping by this Sunday morning with us. What well, advice can you give parents for their kids who are just, you know, inactive. They just got the video games going and they're just, they have no, they have no urge to really try to move around, you know, and, and be as active as kids should be. Right. Yeah. So the main tip that I would give is to truly sit down. And when I say truly sit down, I mean, as a parent, genuinely sit down with them and ask them questions on, what are their actual hobbies? Like, obviously, we know they love their video games, right? If that's what they're doing. Try and figure out what kind of video games they're playing. What hobbies are within the video games that they like, right? Do they like some specific sports? Have they ever thought about a sport, right? They are inactive, but who knows? You know, the more you sit down and the more questions you ask, sometimes you may get some things that you're not aware of, right? Boxing, kickboxing, martial arts. Maybe they're not even the contact sports that you're thinking about. Could be things skateboarding, rollerblading, mm. jump roping, right? There are so many different hobbies that are movement inclusive that don't have to be contact sports necessarily, right? So try and get if you can get anything out of them that way. Schedule some sessions for whatever they show interest in, if they like it. If not, try and maybe for holidays and birthdays, if they're truly into video games, try and get more interactive games like VR games, virtual reality games, right? That's going to get them up and moving more. Uh, workout games, for example, the Nintendo Switch now has a game called the Ring Fit, where you literally have to run around, do actual exercising to get points. Um, and then something else is just try to get them on 
you know, out of the house, make it fun for them, do things together, right? Maybe go on three walks per week as a family and tie that in with a game night. So they think of a walk, they think of a game night, or they think of a walk, they think of, oh, we might get, um, you know, healthier frozen yogurt afterwards. But tie in movement together with something I love and just something else on the weekends too. I just thought of like the trampoline places that they have out there. Just try and tie them in, you know, to fun rather than trying to say, all right, let's go to the gym. And they're like, I don't want to step foot in the gym. That's not my thing. So it's just about truly trying to get things out of them that they're interested in and tying it to something they love. God, Lizette, there's so many other questions I want to ask you, but I only have time for one more. Uh, let's okay. make this once again. This is a generalized question for right. seniors. What type of training programs can you do to help with stiffness and soreness that you may have because you, you you're having issues with uh, you know in the pers- maybe your shoulder and it's inactive, so now it's gotten really stiff and sore. Obviously, you know you go check with your doctor, but um, overall, what are some of the things you can do? Yeah. So the number one thing I always recommend, especially for seniors, is swimming. Any kind of aerobics in the water is great because it is technically resistance training because the water is pushing against you. But for a lot of seniors, it's super simple just to head on into the water, do a little bit of swimming. You are using those muscles. The water actually helps the joints and you are moving, right? So there are a lot of gyms that have them. There's local pools. You can check those out. And then, of course, daily walks are good if you are willing and able Um, Even if you have to go with somebody, super simple walking down the block and back, increase your steps maybe every few weeks. Um, But then, of course, just natural stretching as well. So it all depends on your willingness and level of movement. So maybe stretching, then walking, then swimming. But those are some three really good options. Health and fitness coach Lizette Simmons, thanks for a couple of minutes this morning. I know you have a website where people can get some more information. So what is that site? Yes, that is. You're just going to go to www.bodybylizette.com. Once again? It's bodybylizette.com. Sounds good. Listen, Lizette, thanks very much for a couple of minutes, and uh, have a great new year. We'll talk soon. Great. Thank you so much, Larry. Have a good one.